0: Hello, I'm Lisa Talbot and welcome to my podcast, The Pocket Stylist. I am an award-winning personal stylist who has been in the business for 14 years now. Um, I'm on a mission to help women aged 35 to 55 have a wardrobe that they absolutely love, give some confidence and create a positive mindset. So these podcasts are all about sharing my hints and tips along the way. And I'm really excited to be joined by a number of guests who will also be sharing their fashion and style stories with me and also some brand experts as well who are going to be telling you a little bit about their brands and what they have to offer i really hope you enjoy my podcast the pocket stylist Everybody and welcome to episode 13 of my podcast, The Pocket Stylist. So I'm Lisa Talbert. I'm a personal stylist that's been in the business for 14 years now. Um, and I love helping women have a wardrobe that they absolutely love. Um, I'm thrilled today because I am joined by a guest. And today I'm joined by Jessica of the super duper brand Orwell and Austin. So, Jessica, how are you? Nice to hear from you today.
1: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, great.
0: <laughs> it's rather nice, isn't it? So, I don't know about you, but the sun's shining and the sky is blue where I am. Yeah, it's very warm in London today. Yeah. It's so, great, I. High, sunshine. Oh, so. it doesn't make a difference.
1: It's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's just lovely to see the sun. So, um, I would love to hear all about your brand. Um, tell us a little bit about your brand first and foremost, what, what do you specialize in and, and that type of thing? And then we, I'm going to ask you where all the ideas came from to when you set it all up. So tell us a little bit about the brand to start with.
1: So the brand is principally a women's knitwear brand. I think that's kind of been the main focus since it started. But we also do um, things like kind of t-shirts and homeware, um, like cotton pieces. So not just knitwear but I think that's kind of what people know the brand for um and yeah it's very kind of emphasis is on a lot of color a lot of print um quite statement pieces like fun pieces but really um surrounding ethical and sustainable production so the brand before it was super super trendy to be sustainable was doing that so that's always how it's been from the beginning I purposely chose ethical producers only use natural materials so there's no kind of plastic derivatives in the knitwear which you're finding more and more of at the moment like a lot of brands using bits of acrylic and that type of thing so it's cashmere wool silk blends and cotton and yeah it's kind of very playful very fun statement pieces guess. Okay
0: so have you have you always been into fashion and style, and you kind of then went into your own own business where, what do where, where, where did it all kind of begin really?
1: Yeah, so I was a lawyer for quite a while actually, so trained as a lawyer I'm, I'm gonna like my background, my parents were quite arty and were very much like that was their job, and I think I grew up in a household that was super super creative, but you're kind of rebelling against that, you go, "Oh." I'm going to be a lawyer because that's like you know very steady and all of those things. Because you know, artists, it's very creative industries are quite up and down, aren't they? So yeah, so as a lawyer, but really didn't enjoy it. Always had this kind of pull of creativity. And then a few years into my practice, I was just kind of like, look, I want to do something else. Um, I want to do something creative and using that as a very kind of blanket term. I didn't really know what that was. Um, and knew that if you were to look at my CV, it was very like law focused. There's no way for me to get into one of those industries in, a bit, in an easy way. Um, so I decided to start my own thing. Um, loved fashion. Kind of found it really hard at the time because um, to find accessories to go with my very boring lawyer uniform of grey with more grey and a bit more grey. So it was. I kind of started doing colorful scarves initially, and so just kind of evolved from there um, and my idea was if it went really well then I would have this creative business and I would be doing something I really love in the creative industry if it went really badly then I would have at least gained lots and lots of skills and I could then go to somebody more established and say look give me a chance now I know how to do this and I know yep. how to do that type of thing um, and for a long time, I ran the brand alongside a full-time law job, um, just because like, you know it takes a while to get these things established. So was self-funding, so basically most of my salary was going into the brand to build it. And then I took it full-time a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, so it was a kind of creative industry was something I always wanted to be in. And it just, this happened to be the way for me to um, express my creativity, I guess, and I love, personally, I love color. I love, you know, kind of statement pieces. So it very much reflects my own style, I guess. Um, But the other thing about when I did start, you know, the manufacturing process, it was super, like, I touched on the beginning. It was really important to have only natural materials and ethically produced, to have a low environmental impact, not, and be putting out something that I was really proud of as well. Um, And I think, you know, for me, if you can't do it in an ethical, sustainable way, I'm not going to be proud of it. So that was kind of always the main brand mission. Um, So it's just kind of gelled my love of sustainability and ethics with my love of colour and playfulness and print, really.
0: And, and you know you're so right because for, for anybody listening, if they haven't seen your brand, you can't miss it because it is beautiful. It's eye-catching, there's some wonderful colours, great designs. So do you actually you design everything from an idea? Yeah, I design
1: everything.
0: And that myself, it can be maybe I've seen. Oh sorry, you got <laughs> No, God, no, no. I was just going to say, so you design everything literally from scratch. So, so the beautiful cardigans that I've seen and some of that gorgeous knitwear, it is where you've put together some of those amazing colors and you've clashed some of the colors and you've really created this stunning, it is like a masterpiece because they are, the colors complement, but they're slightly different. So how do you come up with those ideas? Because they obviously the ideas must start with a sketch drawing, do they? Yeah, so when I speak to friends who are trained designers,
1: um, they always find it really funny how I do my drawings. I do my drawings very loosely on, I think it's like a free iPad tool. Um, it's basically like having a piece of paper um, and just drawing it's obviously on the iPad. The shape is very loose. It's very like more conceptual than anything. And then the factory I work with, I've worked with the whole time. So, you know, nine year relationship. So they can take one of these drawings and go, okay, we know how to technically implement it. Um, But generally we've got it to a stage where I can send a drawing and the sample will come back exactly as I envisaged, you know, the final piece will look. Um, Because I know what I want it to look like in my head. And then I kind of, you know, doing a drawn version, which isn't obviously as neat, and then they're able to actually, I guess they have the real skill of being able to take that idea and actually turn it into this functioning piece, which is really fun. But yeah, it's very much like a free,
0: you know, freely drawn sketch. There's nothing very technical about it at all. But you know, I think that's what's lovely for people to hear because you've got the creativity of the ideas. It's not necessarily, you know some people have some amazing ideas don't they and they pull it together and and they do all of that and then they work out how they're going to get it done and i think that's that's so much that whole creative spirit did you um when you started the brand and you started doing some of those sketch drawings did you have a certain lady in mind? Did you kind of think, right, I want to design for this type of lady with that type of family? Did you did you have like this avatar of a, of a lady that you wanted it to be for? Not really. It was kind of mainly for me, I think. It oh, was just, lovely. Just things that I liked,
1: you know, and things that I've really struggled to find back, I don't know, nearly 10 years ago. Yep looking more at scarves because that's kind of the first couple of things I did you could buy really bright colorful playful scarves made of really really cheap material that probably been produced in the worst, worst conditions or you could buy a beautiful cashmere scarf but it was beige there wasn't really anything that was combining the two and that's what I was looking for because I you know what had um a level of disposable income as well, where I wanted to buy quality, but I didn't want to compromise like my, my personal aesthetic, which was quite fun and colorful and bright and all of those things. So that's really where I initially came from. I think as it's evolved, the kind of woman I have in mind is someone who isn't super into trends. Um, they're kind, I mean, are kind of trendy but they're taking quite classic ideas like leopard is quite a classic now you could almost call leopard a neutral but you're making it bright and you're making it fun and you're adding something else to it so it's someone who like I don't want to say like yummy mummy because I hate that but it's that kind of you get to a certain age where you wanna have your things that you know work that you can pick up and you can add you can have this one statement piece, your more classic pieces around it. You can feel very individual in it. You're not gonna see every second person wearing the same thing as you.
0: You've got And the- I think that comes back, doesn't it, to the individuality. Like you said, you what you actually did initially, you created a look and a brand for yourself. Because that's what you you loved and, and that's what you, you kind of saw that gap in the market. And you're absolutely right. You know, I think definitely past, you know, I see it as a stylist, definitely past a certain age, I have to say, and I, I don't mean to be ageist in any way, but past a certain age I hear so many ladies saying do you know what I don't want lots of I want good quality products that make me feel amazing and it goes back to that having certain garments in your wardrobe that you know has got longevity yes you can use the high street to inject kind of trend and modern pieces and and different like that but your branding not only does it and your your beautiful pieces not only do they create that individuality they create the luxury they don't compromise ethically like you you were talking about and sustainability and all that type of thing but also it doesn't compromise on someone's playfulness because you've got haven't you those wonderful colors and you mix everything around i was looking on your website last night and i love one of your knits And it's got all the beautiful, almost primary rainbow colours down the half sleeve. So you've got that playful element as well, haven't you, to your branding? Yeah, and I want it to
1: still be wearable. So, you know, a lot of the kind of, you'll see a lot of colour, but very few pieces, there are a couple, are like full on colour across the whole piece. Like, I think you're talking about the rainbow trim cardigan and it's deliberate that, you know, that rainbow bit is slightly lower down the sleeve. And you still have a neutral in there so it just makes it easier to actually mix and match with quite a few things and i think then also thinking about like how especially when you're older how colors work against your skin as well and how easy it is to wear colors so sometimes things will have that more neutral base of the injection of color with a slogan or a trim or something like that so you still get the playful element but it makes it into a more easy to wear piece Mm yeah, I kind of when I'm designing things, I just really look at, you know, the things that I have, the things that I love. Um, inspiration can really come from anywhere. Like one of the most well-known designs that's been featured a lot in the press is this love sweater. Um, and it's, it's a slogan sweater, but the word love is basically going from a large font to a small font or is it the other way around? Yeah, small font to a large font. And that was based on, there was a Russian propaganda poster, which is a, such a random kind of reference, but it was really that font placement. Um, and I really liked how in the poster, they, you know how the font had been done. I thought, why can't you translate that to something that's not a Russian propaganda poster? That's a very relatable message. Um, so that's where some of the inspiration also comes from. It can be very random things that I see.
0: Do Did you find during kind of the whole lockdown period that you were even more creative did you kind of you know I know it sounds awful people had a little bit more time to look outside of their business rather than always being in their business did you find that actually you you constantly kind of thought oh that's that's nice and I could tink and did, did you find you like almost had a pencil in your hand quite a little bit more often and you had more opportunity to be even more creative By by bringing other things into your brand,
1: if I hadn't had my two kids at home, maybe (laughs) they're five and three now, but they're obviously four and yeah, two,
0: four and two. So it was it was a bit nuts. So that's really interesting. So you've created all this branding a pre children. And then you've you've grown your business with added new lines and new designs whilst having two children under the age of five.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, I'm, I think because I worked in this quite high pressure law environment for a long yep. time, it just didn't fit. It, this has never felt like as much work in one sense. So I kind of, if I'm not very busy, I get quite stressed. I've almost got to do the opposite and like step off a little bit. So I found it quite, easy to juggle the children in one respect. Lockdown was obviously slightly different but um, I think the nature of what I do uh, meant that I could kind of just step back a little bit without you know and pivot a little bit. I had problems then with pro- I think everyone's had problems with production during lockdown so I would have lots of ideas still but there's no one to implement them because the factory was closed so um, yeah I, I kind of building it with children hasn't been too bad for me because I think I'd come from this other environment where it was just like, I was a commercial litigator and it's just crazy world and you know, high pressure, really difficult hours that I've almost found it harder to switch off with a business that almost isn't as demanding in the same way, Yeah, but there's that element of when you really enjoy something you're thinking about it constantly anyway. And even when, you know, I've got the kids, it's still stuff is still rattling in my brain, even if I can't necessarily be doing the drawings. And yeah, I tend to just put a little note on my phone. If I see something just of kind of like, I don't know, a color combination, something as simple as that. So that when I do have a bit of time, I can sit down and play around. And when it comes to like designing pieces, I have real bursts of, you know, I'll do 12, drawings or something that I think could work and then I'll go for other periods where I just sit and I can't think of anything so it's really utilize that you know utilizing those moments and not it when it's not coming
0: easily I think is really important. Find- yeah absolutely. Something else to do. What have you got up your sleeve that's a good way of putting isn't it what have you got up your sleeve um moving into I'm just because I'm assuming now you're planning for autumn winter.
1: Um, okay, I lost you a little bit, but I just caught the end of that. Am I planning for autumn and winter? Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, my internet's being a bit unstable. Yeah, I'm kind of. I've got quite a few things in production for autumn and winter. I have got a bit of a problem that Nepal has gone back into lockdown since the end of April, so things are a little bit slower. But I'd already had quite a few bits that were supposed to almost be. Bring that could design wise work for autumn and winter in different colors so I'll probably have to switch to that um I think I kind of build it around like these core classic styles that you know never really go into sale that people have been buying for years and probably and then add on other pieces to that and then every year you'll kind of discover some other best sellers that you can move into that core kind of classic section as well so i'm almost looking towards spring now yes um
0: well if you if you think of the designers now the if you'd had london you know when we have london fashion week they'll be trawling through the the next seasons we're so far in advance aren't we um and, and it's interesting because from a, from a summer point of view, people say, oh, we're in summer and yes, we've got this beautiful weather now, but actually it's only for a very short period of time, because if I think, you know, I feel the cold. So for me, I would be quite happy wearing a very, you know, thin styled knit on a, on a day that the sun could be out. But As long as it's not 25 degrees, I could probably still be seen walking around in one because I feel the cold. Um... But I, I do think it's about having, you know, this adding colour into your world from um, a clothing point of view is so important. And yes, you know, you you kind of um, made reference to it a little bit earlier. You've got certain colours work for for certain people beautifully against their skin tone. Other colours don't work as well. But actually, do you know, what when you find those tones that work for you, having colour... And a real statement piece just works beautifully because it goes with all different types of trousers. It goes with denim. It goes with, you know, maybe an overlay with a jumpsuit or things like that. So having, I think, having colour in your wardrobe also puts a huge smile on your, on your face, doesn't it, too?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's weird because you're kind of seeing at the moment, You've got loads of micro trends popping up. The trend cycle has been accelerated. This is—I could get into a big chat about how this is to do with like hypercapitalism. Um, but you also have like two competing trends at the moment. You have this real like noughties minimalist, which is a lot of like beige and that type of thing, and then you have like quite a maximalist, very colourful, lots of print. Um, so that's why I try not to look too much at trends. Mm-hmm. I think if you're if you love colour and you love print, you'll always, I will never veer towards a very neutral palette ever, you know, regardless of what the trend cycle is saying I should be doing. Um, And so you kind of, you will always navigate towards that. I think there's a thing of, you know, when we've been through such a dark period, um, having that brightness and that lightness and that uplift I think as well as people have moved to working from home and, you know, the move away from corporate dressing and all that, you can be more expressive. You can kind of wear a little bit more of what you want, what you pull out really makes you smile. Um, And pieces that, you know, people will see and they'll want to know, because it's a little bit different, but it's not too different that it feels unwearable, um, that people are like, where did you get that? It becomes like a talking point. I get a lot of You know, clients kind of be like, oh, I get stopped all the time when I'm wearing one of your jumpers, which is really nice and becomes like this lovely talking point for people. Mm. Um, Yeah, they're meant to be happy happy clothes, really.
0: And do you know what's really interesting? You you said something about you have to have something that makes you smile. And this goes back... To everything that I always you know talk about and I always say whatever you wear it must make you feel good it absolutely it must make you feel good it must make you feel confident you know and they, we, none of us want to wear anything that makes us feel pretty rubbish so um oh Jessica I have absolutely loved talking to you today and I'm um, you know thank you so much for taking the time to come and tell us about your wonderful brand, Orwell Austin. Um, Just tell people um, where they can find you, because I know you're on Instagram, aren't you? And I know you've got your website. Do you want to just share with everybody the best place for them to see your lovely brand? I
1: mean, so there's the website, which is www.orwellaustin.com. And Austin is like Jane Austin. So it's with an E, not an I. It's not like the place um also instagram is just at oil austin I, I am experimenting with tiktok also at oil austin on there and anthropology do stock the brand as well but um they don't stock everything the majority of things with me and they have a selection of pieces as well
0: Oh, beautiful. Um, thank you so much again for spending time with me. Um, thank you for sharing with all the listeners a little bit more about your brand. And I, I must say to everybody who's listening, you must go and have a look at this because the colours are stunning and absolutely it will make you smile. So thanks to everybody for listening and I look forward to um, speaking to you in the next episode. Um, thanks everybody. Bye.